Hi, this is The Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck. Thank you for listening. We are excited to be back at it. Uh, as, as we launched this thing and, you know, Christina, we had, a, we had some good conversations about life away from the golf course. I do want to get a sense for uh, where you are in, in your game, you know, like people are always wondering what are pro golfers working on when they're not in a tournament. And can, can you just give us a little granular detail on, on uh, what, what an off week looks like for you and what you're drilling down on? Yeah, for sure. I, it sounds kind of stupid for me during the off season, which is, you know, the, basically we always kind of say it's from Thanksgiving until Pro Bowl. That's pretty much for the most part our off season. I really like to just spend that time really grinding on my game, getting in any swing changes, fixing up places in my mental game that, you know, may have deteriorated or something like that. Usually in an off week, there's a lot of sleep because you know, we're all creatures of habit. So when you're sitting there, you're like, all right, well, I'm teeing off at two o'clock on, you know, Thursday. And then all of a sudden I have to tee it up at 9 a.m. And then the next day you're teeing off at 1.30. And the next day after that, you're playing like crap on Saturday. So you end up with one of the first tee times out on Sunday. You're not necessarily going to be able to get into a great sort of sleep schedule, which, you know, if you're not in a great sleep schedule over the weekend, that's generally a good thing because that just means that you're playing So for me, a lot of my off weeks are spent resting. Obviously, there's going to be some travel involved. There's going to be a lot of cooking. And yeah, there's going to be a bit of practice. I think once the season kind of starts for me, I am hopefully in a place where I'm not working too much on the mechanics of the golf swing. I'm, you know, really focusing on small little things like and for me, it's kind of funny. I nowadays and this is totally non-spawn gotten to the point where at the beginning of my warm-up, whether it's early in the tournament week or during an off week, I've got my alignment stick down on the ground. I've got my down underboard between my feet. I've got my George Gankus G-box strapped to my torso. I've got this, it's basically like, do you remember that old school swing shirt that Padraig Harrington used to? I love that thing. I, I wanted that for, for Halloween one year, but no one would have gotten it. You know, it was like, you would look like you're in a straight jacket, but it kind of worked, right? It absolutely, it works on keeping your body connected. There's nowadays one where it's just basically a figure eight of fabric that you just kind of put your forearms or your elbows through. And uh, my caddy, Todd Petrie, who's been helping me a bit with my swing, has also gotten me onto this old school training aid called the swing extender. So I legitimately look like I'm going to some sort of a con, you know, whether it's some sort of <laughs> uh, tin cup cosplay or something like that. And I will go and I'll get a few swings in with all of that. And then once I feel pretty good and I stop shanking it or whatever it is I'm doing, you know, getting into the slot and really feeling like my swing is good. Then that's when I go out and take it all off and then swing freely or go out and play or something like that. And it's sort of like when, what I would suspect when you were to take a collar off a dog and it's like, you're naked, you're free. (laughs) So the way I see it, if you can swing with all this crap on your body and make great contact, it allows a round of golf to be so much simpler. So there's, there's a bit of practice. There'll be a couple hours of practice here and there. I'll be working on a lot of things like my perceptual skills when it comes to my putting, making sure that my eyes know what a straight line looks like, 
being left eye dominant, a lot of times when I see a straight line, if I were to use, say, for me, the Titleist logo on the ball, I, I like a thicker line. I don't necessarily want something that's so skinny and so precise because you can suffer from paralysis by analysis. I oftentimes, when I know that the line is straight with the target I'm looking at, if my head is not in the right position, the line looks left by anywhere from six to eight inches. So there's a lot of like these little body movements I have to kind of focus on. I'm working out. I'm, you know, I just, I don't know, living life. So there's a few things that, that interest me. First of all, we should say when, when we, when we blast this uh, podcast out, go to Christina's social, we'll put some pictures up of all these different contraptions. so Everybody <laughs> can see exactly what she's talking about, which uh, I want to, I want to, I mean, I want to get a, a, a visual on, on some of this stuff, but I'll get a video going with me hitting it with everything. Yeah, on yeah do that. Me put on a stripe show. <laughs> it is a it is an interesting mix of between focus, uh, focusing on on mechanics and feel, and how you take that from practice to to tournament play. Uh, Thursday morning at Augusta, I saw Rory on the range, one of the all time great natural talents, and Pete Cowan, his new swing coach was moving his arms around and manipulating Rory's club. And it was like, he was, he was sort of groping him. I was like, it'd be a miracle if this guy shoots 80. And of course, you know, Rory goes out there, almost kills his dad and hits the ball all over Augusta national. And I mean, I can't believe they were doing that on the morning of the masters. Like no matter, yeah, you're in the middle of a swing change, but that's not the time or the place. You still got to go play golf and Rory knows how to play golf. So that was a shocker that even, even a Hall of Fame talent like that could feel so lost on the morning of the most important tournament. I mean, have, have you had it moments like that before you go peg it where you're just completely frantic? And if so, how do you, how do you quiet your mind and find one thought that can get you through the day? Well, yes and no. Generally, if I'm going through any swing changes, I have this superstition, one of about 17,000, where if I can hit one or two perfect shots at some point on Tuesday for a Thursday start, I'm like, whew, okay, we're good. And <laughs> I also sit there and I tell myself, you always have to reach your quota of imperfect swings. And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if I'm in a pro-am and I look like I have no idea how I got my tour card, I'm sitting there and I'm like, whew, thank goodness I don't have to have those shots in my body in tournament rounds. I remember my very first tour win in 2004 at the Long Strikes Championship outside of Sacramento, which was as close as that as we ever got to my hometown at that point for the season, I was, I shanked three, four shots in my pre-round warmup. And I was like, all right, they're like, it's, it's, it's like the secret where it's like, you put it out in the universe. I'm like, you go and you go and bother someone else. This is, I'm done. I've, I've dealt with you. We're good. We're good. And so I've got a little bit of a strange sort of mindset when it comes to that. I also have a mindset. I'm not a fan personally of swing coaches out at tournaments. If you're going to work on something, I like the idea of working all day, every day, the week before, make sure you get enough reps where you get that muscle memory. And I have no problem when it comes to say FaceTime lessons and things like that, obviously with, you know, we're no longer in the before times we're in the times right now. It's something that's going to be a little bit more customary. I think I just like the idea of someone just being able to sort of step back and look at like the big picture stuff. Cause all of the really little things 
those are things that you should hone in at least five to seven days before you're going to be teeing it up. And yeah, I just don't, I, I'm not a fan of having, having a coach out there right before you go and tee off. Cause they're just like, no, you need to do this, or you're doing, you need to focus more on this or heaven forbid, if I have a coach, which I would never work with someone that says you're doing this wrong. It would be more along the lines of let's make sure we focus on this, which is the same thing. It's just got more of an encouraging tone to it. If someone were like, you're doing this wrong. And I'm like, so should I WD now or should I <laughs> yeah. just well, should I I mean, bother? The, the mental game is, is so powerful. I, I don't want to be, you know, douchey here, but the other day I was playing at Cypress Point. The seventh, no. Yeah. I mean, no big deal. Seventh hole. I hit one of the best iron shots of my life. That's a really hard par three is, as you remember, but um, hit it to like two feet and we were playing a match and other guys were kind of all over the place. And so one of the dudes in the groups, like, I pick it up. That's good. I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's a birdie. I got to make the birdie, but I never fully like locked in on the putt. They were already walking to the next tee and I totally peeled it off on the low side, horrible putt. And after that, the, the putter felt like a rattlesnake in my hands. And then the next two rounds I played, I couldn't make any putts like inside of six feet. I, I mean, the, the literally visually the hole looks so small and especially with the flag sticking, it's like, I don't see how the ball can even go in there. And I completely freaked myself out. I'm still trying to reset a little like spiritually. Like, so, you know, you said that some of, some of the work you do is, is on the mental game. Uh, take, take when you're in a, a putting slump, what is, what is a thought that'll get me out of this deep, dark hole? Well, first of all, I would say for the majority of people, and obviously everyone's a little bit different. If you're going to be more of a Ben Crenshaw who loved keeping his eye on the ball the entire time, that's one thing. Whereas if you were someone, say like a Gary player, I always tell people, listen to the ball go and start from two feet, three feet, four feet, five feet, and listen to the ball go in. There's no reason to use your eyes. We have five senses. Why not actually give one of our other senses a chance to do something? And so if you listen to the ball go in the hole, even from two feet, you're going to hit your putt and you're going to think, shit, I missed that because you're so accustomed to looking up. And at the end of the day, as impossible and infuriating as this game is, the beauty of it is that it is simple math. Backswing plus follow through equals what the ball is going to do. Obviously, you know, where you set up at, at address is going to have a huge impact on all of that stuff. But if you use the line, use the line and just trust what it is that you're doing. I mean, there's so much when it comes to the mental game of just trusting yourself. And I say this a lot, you can't be scared of something that hasn't happened. And good. I love that because that was, that was where I was in that place where uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a 25 footer and I'm thinking, well, I either want to make this or I want to like put it five feet past hole. I don't want to leave it like two and a half feet short. That's, that's <laughs> like the, that's like the distance I don't want. So I'm already stressing about a putt I haven't even hit. And then, of course, naturally, you leave it three feet short, and then you have to you're out range at least. <laughs> yeah, everybody else has to putt, and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I have another three footer. Uh, it's left edge. What am I going to do?" And by the time you get up there, like you're, I mean, maybe I'm revealing too much about my, my, uh, my psyche here. But I'm exhausted listening to this. Well, I would say you know, you, it's dark, man. It was dark. I'm, I'm still fighting my way out of it. Well, so I would say a lot of what you had just said by that train of thought those are things that I would think I could 
manipulate a little bit differently. I always joke that manipulation is one of my superpowers. It's always for the greater good though. It's never for my own personal gain. Okay, that's a relief, it, yeah. Instead of saying, don't leave it short, you can think the same, it's the same exact concept of give it a chance to go in. Because the thought that you're having is instead of a negative, you're, the last words that you're putting into your brain are go in. So if you give it a chance to go in, that means that it's at least going to get to the hole. And if you hit it past the hole, you'll have an idea of what the putt's going to do coming back. Yeah. And the number of times where I will sit there over, you know, a seven foot curler for par, I will sit there. If it's a par four, I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be a four or a six, <laughs> you know, and you can't, again, you can't be afraid of something that hasn't happened yet. Like, yeah, I could, I could shank this next approach shot into the green. I could also hole out anything like that's the beauty of golf. And that's the beauty of life. The possibilities are endless and every yeah. presented to you as a new opportunity. I love that. So another thing you said a while ago, I want to go back to you, which this interests me as well. And it's, it's just in recent years that people started paying attention to sleep as an important part of performance. And uh, so I used to sleep on my, carry this super thin pillow with me and it was great. And then I kind of became a side sleeper and I stopped carrying my pillow. I don't know why, but lately I've started traveling with this big ass foam pillow that makes, brings me so much happiness. I can't even do carry on bags anymore because I have size 13 shoes and a pillow. I could literally get nothing but a toothbrush in there. And so <laughs> now I'm checking my bags and I'm just, I bring my own pillow. This increased my happiness dramatically because there's literally nights before I felt like I was wrestling the pillow all night, trying to fluff it up to the right mm -hmm. thickness and getting frustrated and harumphing around. And so it's, it's actually been like a major morale booster to commit to that. I just say, okay, I'll lose 20 minutes at the airport at the start of the trip. I'm going to gain so much sleep. And once I did the math, it became simple. But um, when you're traveling every week, it's a different bed. It's a different ambient noise. It's different, uh, you know, all these different factors, the, the, how the sheets feel, the, the room temperature, like that could mess up an entire tournament week if, if you can't get those things right. So what is, what is your secret for getting rest when you're traveling? Well, I travel with my own pillow as well. I am a back sleeper. My boyfriend, Duncan French, when we first started dating, he told me that I played a number of games in bed, not in that way. It was, um, let's see, I would starfish. I would sleep as though I was dreaming that I was skydiving or I would play the game, touch all four corners of the bed. And he's like six foot one. So he's like curled up like a baby fawn in like the top corner of the bed. I've gotten a lot better about it these days. I'm a back sleeper personally. And I travel with a now discontinued, I still have five at home, Tempur-Pedic, travel pillow so it's one of those u-shaped pillows and it's just something about the thickness of that pillow that i actually place it along the back of my head so my head and my neck are perfectly supported and it's almost like i've got a little halo above me uh, or in the back of me i guess i should say i'm like the kind of kid that like took their i'm the angel that took the halo and kind of propped it back i guess mm -hmm. and so that is a huge thing for me i also religiously sleep with a memory foam sleeping mask because I am very sensitive to light and whether Duncan wants to sit there and watch 
I don't know, the football or whatever it is based on the time of year or something like that. I need to have complete darkness. And so I've got, I mean, I look, I look insane. I love my travel pillow. I love my sleeping mask. And I also am, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of making sure I get a good recovery. Obviously, you know, if anybody follows professional golf, everyone knows about the whoop strap that, you know, uh, the company has been great about setting up partnerships with professional golf. I am going to, I'm throwing it out there. I have been a whoop member since April of 2017, the day they became available to the public. So when I see all of these people that are like, oh yeah, you know, my whoop is this and that, whatever, whatever. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Like how long you've been part of the family? It's like, oh, I just got it, you know, cause I saw JT had it. And I was like, homeboy had that back in like, what? I'm like the only, I, it's, I've had this longer than Scott Stallings and Scott Stallings is the one that everyone thinks of as being the first whooper. And I like, ultimately I don't care. Cause I'm like, I, I had a leg up on everyone because I was you know, paying attention to this sort of wearable technology, but this thing. Been- I, I think you do care based on this whole monologue. You can't <laughs> say you don't care. You clearly like, care. Like, says, if you're explaining, you're losing. So yeah, there's, there is, there, I will. Thank you for calling me out on it. I do care, but it's more like one of those things where I'm like, that's so cute. You, you, you guys, that's, <laughs> that's adorable. Like if you have any questions, tech supports right here. I got you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, it's the whole thing. Like my, Mike, Michael Bamberger, my longtime ride or die in the press room, he often travels with his own sheets. Like if this is pre-COVID, like if, you know, if he's at, if he's at the Ritz-Carlton, maybe he'll wing it. But otherwise, he'll pack his own sheets. Uh, I mean, people are quirky and it, it always fascinates me. But I mean, I, I guess theoretically affects my uh, performance as well. But for an athlete, for sure. Like, uh, I mean, I remember Bubba Watson was traveling with his own mattress. He'd have like a mattress sent to where he was going. And yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point he signed to deal with these people. But like there was a specific mattress to be waiting for. Him. That's why a lot of these guys get the buses on the PGA Tour. So they can just control their environment as they're traveling. So I, um, I, I, I get it. But I think it's a, it's a fascinating topic. That's that's. That's control. Oh, I also like to always have the house because I generally do rent houses these days set to 69 degrees. Nice. Very comfortable temperature. I mean, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> um, so one thing I've always appreciated about the LPGA is it just seems like there's more team spirit. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of the women out there are, are cooking and hanging out and um, tell me about that scene. Like what clearly, you know, we've touched on, you like to be in the kitchen doing your thing, but, uh, is, is that, is that part of the, the weekly ritual is uh, different nights a week. Someone else hosts at their little rental house and how, how much did you do there? Well, obviously talking about the before times, because ain't nobody coming over. I do not share. I generally don't share my address whenever I'm on tournament site because that's my home for the week is my sanctuary. Like nobody is going to be allowed over. I don't want anyone having any clue as to where I am or anything like that. I, I, I have hosted friends in the past and I've gone over to friends' houses and cooked for them there and things like that. So yeah, there, there, and there are a bunch of um, little clicks, if you will, that, you know, groups of girls that, you know, you'll have like two or three I mean, especially with COVID, like nowadays, we don't normally have more than two girls that'll stay in a house together or something like that. And, you know, share duties. One person will wash the dishes while the other person cleans and then vice versa on another day of the week. 
So we do have some of those little powwows. It's just, it's so different now. I know, but it's, it's changing. Like I, I almost, the last, there's, there's a little time warp here. I really, I was really referring to the time before COVID and what we're going to get back to, but you're right. I, I know for in the, in the short term, it's, it's a messy. But, yeah. Um, I would love to, you know, obviously have Duncan traveling with me since he caddies on tour. Thankfully, not more than once or twice a year for me, which I call his um, annual good deed, if you will. <laughs> we, I do love to cook though. And I, I do like to entertain. And that is something that I do somewhat miss. I've just gotten now to the point where Again, I've touched up on it so many times before. When I'm done playing, all I want to do is take my pants off. So it takes a very special person for me to be willing to either put them back on or prance about Donald ducking in front of people. (laughs) That's a visual. So (laughs) the clicks on tour, uh, can can you break it down for me as if this is like a a high school movie? Uh, Because I will say back when I worked out of the, the SI offices in uh, 2002 and three as an editor, probably the, the most fun project I ever did. I worked with an illustrator and we did this, this, what they call double truck, like this two page uh, illustration. And I came up with all the clicks for the PJ tour and it was called PJ tour high. And it was the stoners. It was like Tommy armor and Pat Perez and Phil and Amy were like the captain of, uh, of the football team and the head cheerleader. And the golf nerds, it was Charles Howell III and Tiger. We had him look, looking like Urkel, you know, his college nickname. And people were so pissed about that. But I, I stand by that to this day. And uh, I went through it all. I need to dig that out of the archives because it really was like so much fun to do. But can, not to put you on the spot, but can, can you give me a little overview of, of the clicks on the LPGA? Yeah, I, I don't know if I can really have like superlatives in that sense, really, because nowadays I'm just like, you got young group A, you got young group B, you know, everyone's, everyone's so young, but, um, you know, you've got, I would say part of it has come about from these pods that have taken place, uh, by way of the Solheim cup. So, um, you know, like there's, it's so much more to them than that, but, you know, you've got like, you know, Michelle, Wee and Jess Corda and, Nelly and and you know as I was like you got like those beautiful tall girls that you know hang out and things like that but then you also have Nelly who will hang out with Megan Kang Megan Kang who hangs out a lot with Annie Park and uh Robin Ree and there's it uh, there's a lot of there aren't like any hard set clicks there's just every a lot of people are really friendly with a lot of other people like I like say for myself in high school I I would hang out with the jocks I would hang out with the emo goth kids I loved my drama kids I loved, you know, hanging out with my candy kids, if you will. I had my hard rock group of friends. There's a lot of a lot of intermingling in in that sense. So it's, you know, it, it's you're going to have like a group of like six or seven girls one night a week, and then another night you're going to have four or five of that same group of seven along with a couple others, and then it's all just going to kind of feed in and feed out, you know, like. Um, if you wanted to sort of set like a center of the universe a lot it's like six degrees of separation with Lydia Ko because she's legitimately friends with everyone as she should be because she's sweet and she's kind she genuinely cares about other people she never has anything bad to say about anyone and 
you know, it's like, you'll see her out to dinner with Danielle Kang one night, and then another night she'll be out with Minji Lee. She'll go out to dinner with So Yun Roo. Another night she's out with Inji Chun. Again, obviously these are in the before times, um, you know, and, and she just has so many different like friend groups, you know, and then you'll see her out with Hannah Green or, you know, you'll see her out with Kari Webb. And it's just really neat seeing all of these different, you know, personalities that can kind of come together because she's just the nicest human being on earth. I, I love Lydia. We back when Who, uh, doesn't there's something wrong with them. That's true. It was funny if we. When she was with uh, Reft by IMG, we spent a day bopping around San Francisco. They were filming this promotional video. We went to all the tourist spots and she was hitting shots. Like the city was playing as a par five. Like she hit a drive at Alcatraz and then hit a putt down Lombard Street. It actually took all day long to get from point A to point B. And was, it was totally guerrilla without any permits or anything. And so, um, and it was, it was actually kind of a difficult day, but she was such a delight. And I'll never forget, we were, we were driving through um, the hate and there's this, this mural of, um, of Jerry Garcia. And she's like, who's that old guy? Is that Albert Einstein? I was like, no, <laughs> it's like the guy from the Grateful Dead. She's like, what's the Grateful Dead? I said, it's like a classic band. And she's like, from when? I said, like the 1960s. And she just gave me this eye roll. I said, <laughs> I said, well, you know, the, you've probably seen their logo. It's like the skull, the lightning bolt. It was just, we were like speaking different. We're from different planets. Like, you know, she was, just, it was really funny. And that happened about three other times with, with things around San Francisco. But um, it was, it was really cute. What, what was funny is she was really recognized throughout the city more than you would probably expect. Um, because of, of course, there's, there's just so many different populations that are in that, in that city. And from so many different places and there was there were some like kiwis and we bumped into some aussies there was there were some korean golf fans and so that, that was fun and that was when like sort of peak lydia when she was winning every week and um but i, I will say watching her 62 at the Dinah shore was that was just so beautiful like she there's something special about the way she plays the game it's there's just a feel to it and a finesse and a touch and I, I can't, I mean, you'd have more insight, but I, I couldn't say what she does better than everybody else. It just, other than she just knows how to score. And I mean, I remember watching her at Royal Melbourne when she was 14 or whatever, and she won there. And it was just some of the most beautiful golf I've ever seen. I mean, what, what is it that separates her from, from somebody else? Because technically on the range, I wouldn't say she's that much more impressive, but it's just, it's just out on the golf course that it shines. Well, two things. First of all, I appreciate that you call it the dinosaur. It will always be the dinosaur to many of us deep in our hearts. It is, though, the ANA inspiration. You're such, is a, you're such a company woman. Come on. Like, I actually never use the corporate names. Like, it's the LA Open, the San Diego Open, the Crosby Clam. I and I, I appreciate that. At the same time, though, when people were to go and be like, Lydia Ko, dinosaur. And they're like, Arr. okay, and so that, that, was a, that was a battle. Yeah. Um, yeah. My old, my old boss at golf.com would get mad because like, we're trying to optimize the search and you can't put dinosaur in there. I said, I'm putting fucking dinosaur in there. I don't care. You can change it, but I'm not typing some corporate names going to change in five years. It's not happening. But anyway, continue. So Lydia. Yeah, I would say you're right. I mean, one thing about Lydia that she can do better than almost anyone else is like, say with Tiger you could see he had that steely determination where he would seemingly scare the shit out of the ball to the point where it's like, okay, I'm going to listen, you know? And I feel like Lydia has this 
it's it's like watching it's like watching ballet when you watch her on the golf course because her ball dances and her ball is just there's just something like so pure about the strike she's getting a lot stronger so she's hitting the ball a bit farther which for her, you know, she has a very slight frame. So it's very impressive how far she's able to hit it, especially when she does her, she calls it Kyle's it, where she does the Berkshire and she does like, she hops from one leg to another and one leg to another and then rips at it. And she gets like four, four to seven miles an hour more swing speed. It's obscene. I, I tried it once and I think I took a three foot long divot with my driver. It's, it's, it's very impressive, but she just has this, she's, she just seems to be so encouraging to her ball that her ball's like, you know what? you want me to go in the hole? I got you. Let's do this. (laughs) You know, it's just, there's, she's, there's nothing demanding about her in a, in, in like a negative way. She's just like, well, I, I think that it would make sense for us to give this a good rip and to get this in the hole. And this is a, this, this would be good for all of us. And Paul's like, you know what? I think you're right, Lydia. Also, I love you. It's there's, she just has this, like you were saying, finesse touch. She just has this ability that you can't really, you can never teach. You can teach strength, you can teach power, but to be able to teach those, you know, shots that require finesse to feather something in and to flight things down in a certain way, as opposed to, you know, and and it's, it's not me hating on him, but say, what Bryson does, like you sit there and it's just like, okay, well, you're using the math of it as opposed to the artistry of it. And so she's just, it's like watching, it's like watching an artist, you know, creating a masterpiece. Yeah, that's well said. That's fine. Think about Masters Week too. Someone tweeted, oh, I'm out here on the range watching Bryson smash wedges. And I actually said, I would prefer he feathers them. Like- yeah, why would take a wedge and smash it oh it should be smashed and 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 you know smashing is another verb for another thing not for wedges i know okay smashing one irons i'd respect that but a wedge it's just weird um th- this I, I like where this is going like tell me what on the lpga what other parts of people's games you lust for is you know like who who do you think has the best putting stroke who who drives it the best? Like when if you could assemble kind of your, your, your uh, dream LPJ player this minute, like pick and choose from people's games. Catherine Kirk's putting stroke. There's no question of it. Whether or not the ball goes in is completely irrelevant to me, but she just, there's something about the way that she puts the way the ball, the energy that the ball comes off the face the same every single time is just something that I find absolutely mesmerizing. Lydia's finesse, if you will, in her imagination. Um, I would take Mo Martin's driving, not necessarily in the way of just accuracy because she doesn't just hit it on a string. She will sit there and when we, Years ago, one of her first years on tour, I played with her when we were at La Costa in San Diego at the Kia Classic. And I remember I I had probably like, if you've ever had like a chocolate Buckeye where it's like basically peanut butter ball that's been dipped in chocolate, that was my golf ball all day, every day. And she was able to 
somehow get like 60 yards of roll. And I'm sat there with like, you know, just screaming mud ball. There's mud and coot shit all over my ball. And it's just, it, it, it's remarkable. And then her being able to take that ability to play up or play down the spin on her ball with any club in her hand is obviously one of the reasons why she was able to win the open championship. Um, I just love, she just, it's almost like watching someone play tennis because she will legitimately manipulate the spin on a golf ball, which I think is so, so fun. Um, I would take Katrina Matthews with a four iron because I remember in 2011 at the Solheim Cup in Colleen Castle, she and Sandra Gall were playing against myself and was it Ryan O'Toole? Were we paired together? And she, she did something like she hit, I think six, four irons in a row and hit them all to inside of, of, of 10 feet made every single. It's obscene. Yeah. That's demoralizing when you're playing against that. It's demoralizing, but I, I'm always going to be a spectator as well. So I'm just yeah. like, Holy shit. That's amazing. Like I would, I would like nudge my caddy and be like, dude, did you see that? But I mean, that sucks. Cause I got to go next. Did you see that? <laughs> and I mean, obviously I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, distance off the tee, like, yeah, whoever you want. Ann Van Dam, Fossey, Bianca, Penanga Dan. I don't, I think I'm missing an A and another consonant. Um, she has five letters in her last name. And I think it's like 13 letters long. I actually, I was talking to her about that. And, you know, I, I, I don't think, even though obviously if I were to have something like Indy Park's steely determination, I still love the way that I go about the golf course. Cause I'm just like, I'm like a dog that's been brought to a new park where I'm just like sniffing new environments and just like open to every possibility and things like that. But if I were able to get, everyone else's abilities combined with that, it could be the most fun golfer in the planet. <laughs> I love that. It's funny what you said about um, the way the ball tracks on the green. I, I remember listening to Tiger. I can still hear this. He was uh, one of the, one of the tournaments he, he won. He put in this really long grind session on Saturday night, even though he had a five or six shot lead. He's like, you know, the, he's like the putts were going in, but I didn't like the way the ball was hugging the ground. And um He's like, and a lot of them are kind of tumbling in on the side. Like, I want to center cut the putts. And um, and so then, you know, I, I, I went back and watched some of, of the putts. I was like, I couldn't see a difference. But to him, it was pretty clear. I mean, uh, just that level of specificity and obsession. I mean, he's obviously a special case. But, uh, I mean, definitely there's something to the way the ball rolls, the way it comes off the face, how much spin it has. And it's like the good putters, the, the ball just – it's. Um, it's like magnetized on the green and nothing can, <laughs> nothing can knock it off that track. And I, I envy that as well. <laughs> uh, I would say start from two feet, go as far as eight feet, listen to the ball go in. No, I, I mean, that, it's, it's great. And it will <laughs> be surprised how long it takes a ball to travel five feet. Yeah. Oh, especially when you're trying not to look there, there has been a time in my golfing life where I never watched the ball and just, just waited <laughs> you're right it's a torturous wait though especially when you you're just waiting for the sound waiting waiting should i wait a little longer wait a couple more seconds i think i'm gonna hear it no it didn't go in. <laughs> that sucks but you can learn from every stroke and you teach yourself discipline and by virtue of staying down with 
within your space, you know, it's like that movie hit where it's like, you just got to dance, you stay in your box, you stay in your lane. You just, yeah. you're able to hone in on continuing to get an improved and more consistent strike at the ball. And yeah. then there's going to be, it's just like, if you're going to learn aim point, if you're going to learn how to hit a flop shot with a close stance, as opposed to an open stance, it takes, it just takes reps. And then after a while, you no longer think about it. It's just automatic and it just happens. I remember asking um, Brad Fax and I said, okay, you're the czar of all putters. Like, like, give me your best tip. You've been this your whole life. It's, it's for this moment. Like, give me the tip. I'll, I'll tell the people it's going to change a lot of lives. He's like, stay in your posture. I said, Wait, no, no, give me the good tip, Brad. It's like, stay in your posture. We say the same thing, like eyes down, stay in your posture. Don't peek. Let the, let the putter swing. And I was such a letdown. I mean, I, like I climbed a mountaintop. I found the guy with the long beard, you know, sitting in the Lotus and stay in your posture. And then just was that last, you know, two years ago, I went to, um, to Austin, hung out with Ben Crenshaw because it was the 25th mm -hmm. anniversary of, um, of him winning the masters for Harvey and all that. And it was, it was delightful. We queued up the, the old YouTube and, and Ben and uh, his bride were cut on the couch, the cats, the dogs, and, by the end, they're they're crying. I'm crying. It was really a special experience. But at some point, I was like Ben, um, just same thing. Give me give me the tip. You know, distill it down into one kernel, and I'm going to tweet this out, and uh, you know, it could turn into a best selling book for us. Like I, I just I really give me the best stuff you got. You like stay in your posture. So you've got to be <laughs> fucking kidding me. Like like. <laughs> Okay. So that's true. That's kind of my thought, but for sure, uh, for sure. I, I remember last year at the U S women's open, we were at a champions club in Houston and I went into the pro shop to look and try and procure a couple of items. I had already stashed my stuff of USGA um, merch and wanted to go and get some stuff just specific to the golf course. And so I like snuck in through the back, because you know, it's the U.S. Open, they kind of want to focus more on on USGA um, apparel and things like that. And kind of came in, and I was like, "Hey, you know, do you have this, that, and the other, the other?" I'm like, "I want to get a ball mark. I want to get a hoodie. I want to do this, do that." And so Robin Burke, Mr. Jack Burke's wife, was back there, and she was trying to help me out with a couple of things. Where she like, "Do you want to meet Jack?" And I was like, "Do what?" And she was like, "Yeah, Jack's in his office." And I was like, I don't want to scare the man. He's, you know, 98 years old. I'm like, it's COVID. I, the last thing I'm going to do is be anywhere near another human being, let alone a treasure like, like Jack Burke. He's like, no, come on, come on. So I go in there and I meet him in his office and we, we, you know, I'm staying, you know, I'm screaming at him from like 10 feet away. Cause I'm assuming that at 98, he won't be able to hear me. Well, he's probably thinking, God damn, that girl's loud. And he, he was like, do you want to get a putting lesson? And I just about shit myself and I was like oh my god this would be so amazing and so he goes and he brings a couple of his old putters with the hickory shaft and everything you know those butter knives and we go and we're working on on, on a couple of putts and I was like what's the one thing that you would want me to know one obviously this is your course and two you know what what do you think would set me apart from everyone else and he was like all right well I'm gonna Wait, give you if, if, if you say stay in your posture like we're ending this podcast right now no, 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 he did not mention posture. He did not mention posture. He promised you that. He was like, I have a tip for you. This will revolutionize everything that you do when it comes to a long putt. And I was like, oh, thank, thank you. Pick any of the gods. Thank you to one of them, whatever. 
And he was like, all right, so let's say you've got a putt that's about 25, 30 feet. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I hate personally, like side, you know, side note, whatever the yardage is, I take that specific number. I divide it by 10. That's the number of feet that I want to be inside of. So I very rarely want to be outside of 24 feet. And so I sit there and I'm like, all right, perfect. Like this is, this is great for me because I, I definitely want to find ways to continue to improve on long distance putting, lagging, what have you. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, yes, sir. What, what do I do? He's like, so he slowly, he shuffles over to the midway point. And he says, okay, so you get to the middle point and you kind of, you hover your putter head over the line that you want to hit the putt on. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, and you look at the hole and you gauge the speed that you want the ball to go in from that halfway point. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then he like looked me in the eye and he was like, and you, you take note of the, the length of your backstroke. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, and then you double it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> but it like, it occurred to me that you, when you have these, these Brad Faxons, these Ben Crenshaws, um, a Jack Burke, you, you sit there and you're just like, these people are so brilliant. There's a reason beyond the technicalities of the stroke that made them so great. They have that sort of, they have that truly simplistic mindset where it's just like, yeah, you just, you get halfway, you kind of think of how long you, how, how long your backstroke is. And then yeah, you double it. It, it. It's like that, that perfect sort of stupid genius that kind of emerges. And you're just like, son of a bitch, I thought you were going to tell me something good. But then when you stop and think about it, you're like, son of a bitch you told me something good you know and it just kind of expands your mind if you're if you're able to to really think about it you know so when you say that you were told stay in your posture for me that kind of makes me think of you know if you're able to stay in your posture and you focus on your posture that allows you to stay in the moment you're not that's it's like saying your focus is on your posture and right here where you're trying to hit that one ball, not about the ball going in the hole, because again, it's all simple math, good posture, plus the uh, appropriate backstroke, appropriate follow through with a square face equals what the ball is going to do. And if you line all of those things up, that means that's going to go in the hole. So it's one of those right. things where you're like, man, and, and my, my caddy Todd, he's like, man, golf is so easy. And I'm like, no, you, 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 you you shut your mouth when you talk to me like that. Yeah. No, but I mean, when you put it like that, stay in your posture, it, it's, it's deep. It's profound because that, that's, that's taking the results out of it. That's taking the mechanics out of it in, in certain ways. It's just like, like, you know, it's like be here right now. And, and that's um, it. We're talking about the old man with the, with the long beard. Yeah. Stay in your that is that that is that true sense of zen and complete and utter presence yeah no, it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> but i'm thinking about, I'm, I'm still thinking about what you said about with jack burke i mean it makes sense because if you have a 30 foot putt i mean it's it's easy to lose the feel for how how far the putter has to swing but if you walk up and you're 15 feet it's, it's such a, a more compact motion you can really feel that so um I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that too. That's interesting. The simplicity. I mean, here, here we are. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me. They're not all going to be talking about whatever the hell Bryson talks about. I'm not going to be yeah. using phrases like that. You know, it's like coefficient of whatever this, that bull crap. Like it's, it's that 
you you strip away everything behind all of those multisyllabic words that have way too many X's and random C's in them. And you just sort of, you, you see, you see the truth behind it. And it's just like, like your mind is just blown. <laughs> I love that. That actually feels like a good, a good stopping point as, cause I'm, my mind is reeling thinking about some of the things you've <laughs> talked about, <laughs> but I, you know, as a podcast consumer, I was always slightly bothered. They'd be like, Hey, subscribe to our podcast and rate our podcast. And it was so needy, you know, it was kind of, it was a little desperate, but we should probably make an appeal for the people who might've enjoyed this and gotten something out of it. Yeah. There's no question. I, I know. A, yeah. So um, we thank you guys for listening. And um, this is going to be a conversation that lasts for many years. Likely we're just going to keep going, but uh Christina, it was always, it's always fun chatting with you. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really like rethinking the whole Tempur-Pedic, you know, pillow and mask and all that. Like it's, it's an image, it, it's, it's a vibe. So uh, we, if I put it up on my, on my social media, I will, I will look, I will look crazy and I'll be like, I look crazy, but I got all kinds of serotonin pumping into my body right about now. Um, I, th I think you actually are compelled to do that. You, you owe it to the listeners. We need some of these visuals to come to life. <laughs> That'll be, that's, that's the bonus for people who made it to the end here. I will, I will post it uh, as long as our subscribers remember to like and subscribe <laughs> and give us a rating because ratings are where it's at. And I know what you mean when you, you say that, when you hear that it is, uh, it does sound desperate at the same time, this is a necessary evil, if you will. And I think that, you know, if, if there are people that want to share the joys that we have on the golf course and off the golf course and all of these great stories that we have, why not be willing to help them spread the love a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's the least they could do. We just gave them, you know, 45 minutes of great entertainment. Sweetheart, we wasted 45 minutes of their time. Don't tell them what they should do for us. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. That was totally tongue in cheek. I forgive me. Uh, uh, you know, the, the ending is always hard for me. Like, can you like, can you like bring this home? Can you end this podcast? For sure. Two things. One, I, and I'm going to be talking about things that my caddy says throughout this entire podcast. So, um, sorry about that. He told me if you're explaining, you're losing, <laughs> but you know, more than anything else, I just, uh, I think it'd be great to let everyone know how grateful we are for them to embark on this journey with us and we thank you for listening and in closing you just listened to the full send with christina kim alan shipnook